Hey, Blake from Launch Notes here. Thanks so much for checking out the Launch Notes podcast. This episode features a recording of our weekly live show, Office Hours Live. We do these most Fridays. If you want to check them out live, go ahead and subscribe to the Launch Notes YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions or questions you want to see covered in a future episode, join our free Slack community, Launch Awesome, and say hi to us in there. We've got almost a thousand people from the top product teams in tech sharing the ways they're building their products and their careers. Check out Launch Awesome. You can find a link in the show notes. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. All right, we're doing this Friday, Happy Friday, Steve. Good to see you. Yes. Good, good. Good to see you. Yes, big birthday big this week. On April 3rd, a couple of days ago. Nice. All right. They say... They say everything at once you get 34, it, it all gets easier. It's all uphill oh, from thank there. God. It was getting tough for a it couple years easier. there. I'm glad yep. the uh, yeah. trend's going to reverse. Yeah. Nope. Nope. The back nine on your Great. 30s is where, where it's at. Um, cool, cool. I sent you this. I know we talk about uh, we talk about product yes. screenshots uh, all the Big time, fans. but I sent you some good ones. Uh, this, new, this new product loop from Microsoft uh check out this uh this landing page is like excellent use of product screenshots and this is uh microsoft very obviously going after notion and a lot yes. of it folks could say is uh the uh you know they're they're they pretty much lifted notions uh ui <laughs> in yeah. a lot of regard but um i've heard some cool things about this loop product and microsoft has been kind of on they a are, tear dude. I was lately t- man I was taking a look at their stock price since their new CEO came in, and it's just like a rocket ship. Like he's, they're killing the game over there in the past. I don't know what do you call it, maybe ten, maybe a couple more mm. years than that. But like, I think like Azure, their like AWS yeah. competitor, has been kind of steadily growing. Teams like the whole, you know, Office three hundred and sixty or whatever it's called, and like Teams. You know, and there's probably like ten times the number of people using Teams. And Slack. So if you mm-hmm. look, like, if you, it seems kind of weird. Like when I think about it, we live in like small tech startup world. So you know, everyone still uses Slack, right? But like, you get out yeah. into the real world, and like, everyone uses Teams. All my friends that work at like, you know, normal companies, like, yeah, they all use Teams. Big companies, um, right? So, and I feel like that. Yeah, I tweeted this earlier. I felt like that was kind of a shot across the bow. Like you, you didn't really have to worry about Microsoft or even mm-hmm. Google really competing with you the past 10 years. Like mm-hmm. they haven't had a successful new thing. Really? It feels like in a long time, like most of my, I don't know, working career, really. Um, I know it was like a huge thing. Like in the past, like you get copied mm-hmm. by Microsoft or something and you're done. I just like, hasn't, I feel like hasn't really been the case for 10 years. Um, but that's, I don't know with the success yeah. of teams and now we'll see how loop does, but like the, I don't know, something you got to think about, something you got to worry about going forward. Maybe. Yeah. No, the, that, yeah, the, the, the train is moving in, uh, in Microsoft world. That's insane. Uh, not even, you didn't even mention like, uh, like the GitHub acquisition, yep. how insane that's been for them and the whole open AI investment slash collaboration is just like rapidly like all this you know proprietary relationship with open ai is like rapidly populating every kind of corner of their product landscape it seems so yeah 
in uh insane we're obviously we're not the first people to notice this but like insane momentum from microsoft and you're right like 10 15 years ago it sort of yeah, people had yeah, sort of written them done. off they're or up. sort of like you yes. know best years are behind them you know go off into the sunset with the other tech dinosaurs from the 80s and 90s but like turned it around man, um this uh I know I signed up for the beta on this loop product. Um, I was just, for one, I was super impressed with the landing page. Um, and yeah, the product looks cool. The one thing not to throw shade at notion, but like there's, uh, I saw some, someone had wrote on Twitter about like, they had found a loop to be just a little like snappier than notion, oh. like a little more quick. And I was like, yeah, like that's the one thing that's always kind of for me, like a lot of my actions in Notion, like always had a, you know, there'd be that little lag or that little mm -hmm. bit of like gumminess, you know, when, when you're trying to do something that never, you know, uh, I could never mm -hmm. see past, but I, I saw some people talking on Twitter about loop and just like, oh yeah, it's like super, it's like Notion, but super, super snappy. I'm like, man, like that's not so, yeah. Um, Try it yeah. out. We'll see Not if it what sticks. you'd expect from like the big incumbent launching a competitor. Like it's usually like the upstart that's like mm. leveraging some new technology or isn't mm -hmm. weighed down by a bunch of tech data or, you know, whatever. And it's like kind of like linear. And it's like, ooh, this thing is like fast. It's fun to use. And to see Microsoft being able to launch stuff like that. Right. Woof. Kind of, kind of scary if you're in yeah. like any big adjacent space to stuff that Microsoft does, which is kind of like yeah. everything now. So everyone's, I think everyone's officially like put on notice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. All right. Let's jump into the, yeah. uh, the main thing we want to talk about today. We put this report out. I'll, uh, I'll mm -hmm. jump in and scripts, share my screen. We put out this report called how to become a chief product officer and what we did to put this together. And I want to do more stuff like this because I love like a good, like data backed mm -hmm. research projects, uh, a piece of research content. The trick is you always, when you rely on doing a survey, which is like what happens 90% of the time with like a research or a benchmark. And don't get me wrong. Like you can get great insights and great data from surveys. It's just like the, the turnaround time and the, the whole kind of like waiting for other people effect. I love when you can like roll up your sleeves and go like find some data that's like out there uh, that maybe takes a little bit of manual elbow grease to curate or takes a little bit of creative thinking to pull together. And you're not necessarily, you know, waiting on a bunch of people you emailed a survey to, to, to reply mm -hmm. and, and all that. So I like that kind of data. We'll continue to do that kind of stuff, but for this uh, report, what we did is actually went through the LinkedIn profiles um, and we did have a little uh, team. So shout out to the folks who helped with this. Crawled through the, the public LinkedIn profiles of chief product officers and we specifically zeroed in on uh, public SaaS companies, you know, Forbes Cloud 100 mm -hmm. companies, uh, late stage large market cap SaaS startups. So kind of going for the type of organization where you're going to have like a really healthy product org um, where, you know, a chief product officer is really, you know, running a okay. key department in the business. Yeah. Um, 
And we went through and we basically pulled some like data points from all these profiles, stuff like mm -hmm. where they go to college, where are they, you know, where are they based? How long, you know, how long has their career been? How long was their career before they went into products? Uh, do they have an MBA or a graduate degree? All sorts of stuff like that. And then kind of like collated together some, some trends and insights based on that. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Some, some telling stuff in here, some definitely some like confirmation of, uh, of assumptions and, and maybe a few surprises, but yeah, uh, I think we can talk through some of the findings here. Yeah. Uh, one by one, but yeah, uh, maybe before I jump in anything, I know you've taken a look at this, like anything jump out at you or any, you know, anything that, uh, caught your, caught your yeah, eye as just you look through this starting from the top as I'm looking through <clears throat> this. So the, the single most likely answer for years of experience before their first C CPO role, 21 to 25 years that, so out of the whole thing, I don't know why that caught me as like the most shocking that it took that long before people's first mm. CPO role. Um, I don't know why, like, I feel like the kind of people that go on to be CPOs are the kind of people that are like, I don't know, gunners earlier in their career, they're ambitious, they're, you know, they're making moves, mm. they're jumping companies every three years and they're like, yeah. they're going to get there. They're going to get there like, you know, in their early thirties, but it seems like this is saying that's not the case. Yeah. Um, pretty surprising. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case where it's just like you're you're kind of the you know, uh, pardon the cliche, but like you're the best of the best. You're like the elite of the elite uh, if you're you know making mm -hmm. it all the way to CPO of. So even though you're you know hungry and ambitious, you're also um, you know in some pretty uh, pretty elite competition with other folks who are you know geared the same way. Uh, and also, you know, you think about, I had the same realization. I was like, man, 25 years. But then if you think like a lot of these, a lot of these people, you know, like you kind of get your, uh, you get your career footing, like in your early twenties. So, so that's, you know, what your early to mid to late forties, mm -hmm. 20 to 25 years, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know. That's, that's, awesome yeah. that's not a, that's not, that's like not that. dinosaur territory. Yet. Yeah. Like you're, you're definitely, you know, you're, you're definitely, uh, and I'm sure you're, if you're the kind of person who's geared to want to be a chief product officer, you're, um, you're probably not wanting to slow down at 43. You're hitting your, hitting your stride. Just yeah. starting to feel like you're, yeah, your powers are yep. stronger than ever. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'd say there's a lot of that. Um, and again, there's no, you know, uh, no one at zero to five mm -hmm. was surprising, um, that not to say those people aren't out there, but I would imagine even if you kind of did a full, you know, if you sampled the entire, you know, we had a sample pool, uh, but if, if you looked at the entire, uh, group of, you know, CPOs out there, like maybe there's some that are under five years, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there were none. It's a tough role to get. And then again, it's like, I also wanted to avoid like a lot of like, like startup. We've talked about this before. Like startups are really guilty of this sort of like title inflation stuff where, you know, they might call you the CPO, but if you're the only person working on product at the company, it's like, okay. Right. You know? I think that's a little bit where <laughs> so, my thought um, was coming from around. I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of people that become, you know, 
head of product at a at smaller companies than we sampled earlier on in their career. CPO is kind of a title that mm. probably should be reserved for companies that are much bigger than I don't know the kind of companies that like we're used to working at. And so I think I think that makes more sense. Like you're mm-hmm. not gonna you're not gonna be running product at a you know, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 person company, like anytime soon. I think that's the amount of, I think, leadership experience like, required mm-hmm. to earn that, earn that role is, yeah, takes a while. Yeah. And I'm looking at, um, I don't want to, I don't really want to share like the individual, it's all public data, but I'm mm-hmm. looking at the individual mm-hmm. data points here. Because now I'm just kind of curious, like, who is it who yeah. even got in under 10 years? Um, and then, yeah, actually, all the, surprisingly, um, I don't know what to make of this, but all the companies with the CPOs under 10 years, uh, surprisingly, international hmm. international companies. Mm-hmm. Paris, Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. India, um, outside of North America. So maybe there's some difference, you know different expectations culturally and in, in yeah. different countries around this, but all the, uh, no one in North America based in North America I'm seeing, which is the, which is the large majority of our list. And none of those folks are in that under 10 year, yeah. 10 year or under cohort. Kind of interesting. Yep. Here's another one. 12 years based in Bangalore, Bangalore. Um, 29 years based in Orange County. Um, so yeah, there you go. If you want to, uh, if you want to be a CPO in less than 10 years, move to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to overseas. Maybe that's the same. Yeah. Problem. But I mean, what, the real takeaway is like, yeah, kind of I, um, settle in. Like it's not, it's not coming anytime soon. And then yeah, I think it makes sense. Like it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a marathon. Yeah. The other interesting thing with this is like very you uh and maybe this will change like maybe you know maybe the the people who are entering products now who are going to be cpos in mm-hmm. 20 to 30 years uh maybe it will be different than them maybe like the the industry and the mm-hmm. profession is in a different place but based on this cohort almost all of them had a pretty uh had a, I don't know how to say this, like a not product exclusive Mm. path to CPO. In other words, they didn't exclusively work in the product org. Most of them didn't even start in product. Most of them, the most popular kind of first job was software engineering. Um, A lot of folks who worked in, you know, development, program management, uh, you know, things mm-hmm. like marketing, design, customer facing things, customer support, almost everyone had kind of like popped around. This is just kind of anecdotally, like having looked at a mm-hmm. bunch of these profiles, a bunch of them had experience across different departments, which I think I would expect to continue to hold true. Like it's a very, you know, it's a, it's a role where you want a lot of the kind of cross-functional empathy and perspective. And if you've done like a couple tours of duty in departments that are product management, that could be a big, big, yeah. big benefit. So I would expect that to continue. Um, and I think that's, you know, 
something a lot of product folks should keep in mind. It's like, you can always, whether you want to be CPO or not, like it's a good, uh, it could be a good thing to go like work in different departments for a couple of years. Like product won't, you know, the product org will probably welcome you back. If you say, I'm going to go work in, you know, design or data or engineering or marketing or whatever Mm -hmm. for a little while. Like, um, that seems to sort of strengthen people's pedigrees, not. Yeah. That's really interesting. I know a lot of, I mean, a lot of people make their way into product from other, from engineering, you know, I wonder if there is some amount of like Mm -hmm. actual causation going on. If having that, if having that experience is like actually, I don't know helping people to just better think about um, the company as a whole, how the company runs and how product fits into mm-hmm. that and is actually causing people to be better candidates for that, that CPO job. Yeah, no, it, it mm-hmm. definitely, it definitely makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's good. Definitely a good reminder that it's, it is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, this was kind of interesting. Um, 68% of people who are currently a CPO have been in the role for mm-hmm. three years or less. Only 4% of uh, the folks we surveyed, at least, have been a CPO for over 10 years. Only 8% have been for over seven years. 20% for four to six years. The overwhelming majority is inside of the first three years, which... Again, like we just saw, it kind of, you know, it kind of takes a while to get into this role, but I think it's also kind of telling that like once you're here, it's not, you know, hate to sound sort of macabre, but like if you're not not guaranteed that you will stick around. Yeah. So um possibly, you know, the 10 years are shorter, the kind of higher, you know, the kind of mm-hmm. higher you climb. I'm a little the wording <clears throat> of this one's got me th- interpreting this you know, a couple different ways is, is current CPO role. Were we looking at like, have they been at the same job with the same company or is that like have held a CPO title somewhere? This is, um, let me just double check. This is an any CPO role. Now, I don't have data on this, but anecdotally, I can tell you, I don't recall seeing an instance, at least in this cohort, um, an instance of someone being back-to-back CPOs at two Mm -hmm. different companies. Mm -hmm. Not that that doesn't happen, but it was really rare, Mm -hmm. at least in this group. So I think you know, the other version of your question applies. Like, um, there, there just aren't a lot of people who are like, I'm, you know, I'm CPO at one company and now I'm going to go CPO at another company. Uh, typically like you're either going to your next move, like you might get promoted to something like chief operating officer or CEO. There's a handful of CEOs out there uh, in the world who have, uh, have been CPO. Like I think, uh, I know LinkedIn's CEO yeah. was a CPO, uh, over there. So you could get promoted up to CP to CEO. You could get promoted, uh, up to like chief operating officer. 
you could retire, you could go to, you know, um, you could go off and do investing, investing, right. advising, that kind of route. Um, so not a lot of like, hey, I'm CEO, I'm CPO at Dropbox. Now I'm going to go be CPO at Google. Uh, there's definitely some of that out there, but it did seem just from like yeah. the data we looked at. Folks, typically once they're here, if they go do something else, it's some different type of uh, it's some some different type. That's of thing interesting. Entirely. Thinking about like, wow, for the majority of CPOs, like this is really kind of just a stepping stone to their next thing. Yeah, and, and it is interesting because probably for a lot of them, it's like uh, it's their sort of like last. It's their last sort of uh, tour of duty in like a proper mm -hmm. product function before doing something more broad where it's like, if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to promote to CEO or if you're going to be chief operating officer or start your own company or something, you're going to now have this whole other world of, you know, responsibilities yeah. with everything else going on. So you know, something, um, it's something that could be really cool. Yeah. Maybe we, you know, bookmark these hundred, hundred people that we are getting this data on. Let's take a look at this in three more years and see like, Cool. Like, what does that like, you know, tree look like of where do these people go? Like what, what happens next? You're a CEO now. What's oh, yeah. in your future? Oh, what are all these people? Like how many of them are still a CPO? How many of them are, you know, mm -hmm. how many of them have switched companies yeah. and use this exact same, mm -hmm. this exact same sample pool? That's a great idea. Yeah. Do, 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 do. What else? Um, this was a little bit of an even split, but a little stronger toward uh, one side, which um, I'm not too surprised on. But we basically looked at uh, if someone becomes a CPO, do they get hired into mm -hmm. that organization, meaning they worked somewhere else? And then this, you know, the, the company that hired them as a CPO is like mm -hmm. a brand new company for them. Or did they get promoted up to it within the same organization? Like... Worked here for years. I'm VP of product and now I'm chief right. product officer or something like that within the same organization. And 56% were hired in, 44% were promoted. It does, in. does that in the way you? that, like, I know that the way that most people kind of get a promotion generally actually is like through changing jobs. Like, I know that's just like kind of how the game works for mm. a lot of people. You switch jobs every couple of years, you get a pay bump, you maybe get a title mm -hmm. bump. Um, I don't know why this always just kind of like felt a little yeah. odd. Felt odd to me. It's like easy. It's almost e it's yeah. It's almost easier to get a bump by switching organizations than to do it inside of your own organization. Yeah, yeah. That's been a kind of common critique yeah, for but a even few it's, years. But almost like especially for the CPO role. I don't know. To me, I don't know if it's like a. It almost feels like a like a loyalty thing to like yeah, the people true. that have been there before. Like I I feel like I'd want to promote from within more more than like bring someone mm. else in to come run product. But who knows? Maybe people are doing this because they've you know maybe a lot of times people are adding the CPO role because they feel like ooh the situation and the people we got here like what got us to where we are like now like it's not going to get us to that next level like. We need to add this new role with some new, with we some need... like fresh perspective. And like to do that, we're going to have to go out and hire. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's a little bit of a <clears throat> Yeah. I, and I also think like 
across the board, there's like, uh, we've kind of talked about this before in the context of like marketing stuff, but like the, I don't know if you want to call it like shiny okay. object syndrome or like the mis- the mystique mm-hmm. of the unknown where it's like, you might be looking around like, I know all these people here. I kind of know what they're capable of. I'm seeing them at their best days and their worst days. But this other person over here, like she's never worked here. Like maybe she's this like silver bullet yeah. who's going to fix everything. Um, and maybe that's, maybe there's some truth to that, but I think more times than not as like, people kind of end up disappointed in a lot of cases where it's like, yeah, like this person didn't have a silver bullet. They were like a regular person with strengths, weaknesses, right. flaws and all that. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, I also wonder like in product, especially like the domain knowledge of the product. Like if you're constantly bringing in, you know, like think of like all the baked in, just like knowledge someone would have of that particular product and company and customers and everything. If it's like, yeah, I've been in the product mm-hmm. org here for 10 years, right. Versus someone who's never worked at that company, maybe never used that product and they have to come in and oversee you know, yep. all of product, but yeah, interesting. Uh, but again, it's, yep. it's a different skill set. So this, it would be interesting. I'd love to talk to a CPO about, you know, because the kind of when we talk to folks like this, we do hear like, oh, like my job is just sort of like signing budgets and, you know, they they sort of uh, make, you know, emphasize that like all the all the boring admin work that I have to do. The real hands on fun product work is the folks who, you know, work for me. Um, but I would I would be curious to talk to someone like this, like how much, you know, like how much are you doing in the product? Like what's your, what's your role? How involved are you? How much in the product do you have to know versus, you know, all the admin and Mm -hmm. management stuff, right? Yeah. I'd love to get, um, Melissa Perry. I was author of escaping the build trap. They also do a lot of training and she, and she talks a lot about kind of the, the differences of like, I don't know. So like roles and responsibilities as you go up from like, the, the different levels of like management in a product role and what you should be able mm-hmm. to kind of like expect from those people mm-hmm. and the, what should be in their purview. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about kind of how she, mm-hmm. how she thinks about that. Maybe, maybe that would help shed some light on why it might make sense to hire someone in instead of yeah. hire from within. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, last one here. Only 35% of CPOs mm-hmm. have an MBA. I guess I'm not too surprised. I, I guess I thought it might be a little higher than that. I always think of these like very advanced sort of C-suite folks as so many of them have MBAs. I'd be curious actually how this compares with like other C-suite, you know, like what's this look like for chief marketing officer, chief financial officer, yep. whatever. Yeah, when I, honestly, the first time I saw this, I kind of did a double take. I would have assumed it, uh, that these numbers were the opposite. Um, especially as you think about like, Mm -hmm. Hey, the CPO role, it's at bigger companies, bigger companies tend to, I don't know, the kind of people who are down to like work at bigger companies kind of the people who are like wanting to get an MBA anyway. So yeah, this one was, this one was especially surprising to me. Yeah, definitely. All right. I'm going to stop sharing any, uh, any final thoughts on the, on the report, other things you'd like to see questions you have. No, I think it's cool. I, th- I think the, like the, Hey, let's follow up in three years and see where people, 
see where people go from here. I think that's, yeah, that's a super interesting question for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I want to find more ways to just like scrape LinkedIn for interesting data like this. this is, uh, so, yeah. So this one's right out of the run this the Blake Thorne playlist. Uh, let's do a let's get a exactly. funky going. This and, is old hat. and they're super interesting. Old hat. Yeah, these are content. For me. They're great. So always a kind of it is. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. Yeah, I'm in. All right, brother. Have well. a good weekend. Yeah. Thanks for jumping in. I'll see you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Launch Notes podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take 10 seconds to leave us a five-star review. Your review helps new people find the show. More importantly, it lets us know which episodes you've enjoyed the most so we can continue to find amazing guests and topics you'll love. Even if you don't typically leave podcast reviews, it would mean a ton to us if you did. We're pumped when we get new reviews. I personally read every review. I'm always sharing them with the rest of the Launch Notes team. So thank you in advance and see you next time.